Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Well, Lucas, what a special day it is because this is kind of the first day of school uh, for 2017. Yeah, it's right back to the old grind. And this time I remembered to say something that wasn't a thing you say on the last day of school. So you can tell I've gotten a full uh, night's sleep because I'm ready for the big day tomorrow, a.k.a. the first day of school. AK just going to work again and again and then summer comes and you're still at work and that's um, that's right first day of school and all the Halloween candy is out so we're ready for everything that the next season has to offer I don't know Will I'm starting to get into this routine I just need something to break the routine if only there was something that was different this week than most weeks I, I, I just I'm tired of doing the same thing every week Will I understand, Lucas, and you know, sometimes you have to just break out of that cycle. Sometimes you gotta shake, you, let's shake things up a bit. <laughs> and we're doing just that here on the Episodic Arthur Podcast. Welcome to Elwood City Limits. My name is Will Young, that other voice you're hearing is Lucas Mancini. Hello, hello. And this week we have our second, our second ever special guest here on the show. Now, we want to thank everybody. We put out the call a couple weeks ago on our social media. We were looking for suggestions as to who would be a great guest for this podcast. And you guys helped us find a new friend. So we want to help welcome to the podcast, give a big old ECL welcome to Jordan Taylor. Hey, Jordan. Hey, man. How are you guys doing? It's great to have you here. I'm doing fantastic. I'm really excited to have uh, another person here on this uh, on this Skype call. Uh, we the last time we had a guest, it was we were all kind of uh, in studio, ready to do this, and now sharing we're... one microphone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was as uh... re- as real as it gets. <laughs> I'm very yeah. excited to be on on the podcast. I had never heard of Elwood City Limits, and uh, I really like the name and one of. Uh, Somebody who follows me suggested that you know I be on the podcast, and so I took a listen, and uh, I saw you guys were talking about uh, like uh, Japanese wrestling or something. Like, what was <laughs> it you guys were talking about? Uh, that's that's one. one of the topics that comes up uh, multiple times. Whether we're talking about the animal hierarchy in Arthur or <laughs> Japanese wrestling, those are basically our two go-tos. Right. The the uh, the funny animals are. are, are, are <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I know. I, I Jordan, checked, you're learning. I'm learning. I know. I checked out. Uh, I checked out Japanese wrestling, and uh, on on YouTube just so I could you know be a little cultured here. <laughs> And uh, no, it was definitely different than uh, than American like WWE kind of stuff. So it was it it seemed uh, a lot more uh, entertaining to me, a lot more interesting. I'm a little well, flustered. Kn- you came prepared. I really I did. I was just guys. gonna I'm, say I'm you ready. really did your homework. 
and just in time for school. Uh, Jordan, before we begin with the episode today, uh, with uh, for those who aren't aware of what you do, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what it is that you do here online and your experience with Arthur? So you're a YouTuber. Yes, I am a YouTuber. Um, I have two channels, one with my brother. Uh, it's called Blimey Cow. Um, we do some like comedy-based stuff. We have a show every Monday called Messy Mondays. And uh, we have various shows that we do outside of that. And I also have another YouTube channel called Jordan Taylor Videos uh, because somebody already took Jordan Taylor. What a shame. So I had to put videos on the end. But yes, Jordan Taylor Videos. And I do a video every Friday um, on that. And it, that's just totally random. It, it, you never know what it's going to be. So that that's kind of my background on the uh, on the internet. I've been doing that for like, oh man, like... Messy Mondays has been going on for like six years now, I think. Um, so it's been a long time. We had been doing videos uh, before that for, man, I don't know, 10 years. So we've probably been online for like 10 years ever since YouTube started. So, um, yeah, we've been around for a while. But, you know, back in the day, I, I, I loved Arthur. I still love Arthur now. Um, and just the the old classic episodes. You guys have a, have a couple good ones here that uh, some of my favorites, actually. I haven't seen them in a, seen them, uh, in a while. Um, but, yeah, I... Huge Arthur fan. I, I even made an Arthur episode one time on my YouTube channel, just kind of uh, giving Arthur, uh, the creators of Arthur, some episode ideas. And they sadly didn't didn't contact me about them, but I, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, could I would have thought by taste now. Of, uh, sorry, Will, could you give us a taste of what one of those ideas might have been? Yeah, so one of them was, uh, oh man, what was it called? I can't even remember what it, what it was called now, but uh, it, it was about uh, Buster's dad... Um, who is obviously a, a pilot, for those of you uh, who don't know. But uh, Buster's dad is a pilot, and I thought it would be a good idea, since Buster is really, like, really loves traveling and flying, if you know his dad ran into just some kind of minor technical uh, difficulties while he was um, flying, and uh, nothing major. You know, he landed. It was fine. It was just they had to make a detour and land. Well, this, like, really disturbs Buster because nothing like this has ever happened to his dad. And so all of a sudden he's, like, really, really scared of of flying and traveling and stuff like that. And uh, just kind of throughout the episode he, you know, it just kind of, like, learns that it's not really that big of a deal. Stuff like this happens. And I, I wasn't exactly sure how the episode would uh, necessarily, like, unfold but just that kind of idea of buster's dad kind of getting in a little bit of plane trouble i think he got something there and we could really stand to learn a lot more about buster's dad i mean hey we've got 18 more seasons beyond this one but i don't know <laughs> if we ever crack that walnut no i mean they, they did a little bit with postcards from buster or whatever uh that show was uh called and I mean, I don't know, I, I, that's not, I mean, it's kind of in the Arthur universe, but I don't really take anything from that show as canon uh, on, as the actual like Arthur show or whatever. But so I guess they kind of delved into his character a little bit there, but he seemed a little different than on the Arthur show as in like, you could actually see his face and stuff like that. Whereas right on the Arthur, actual Arthur show, you never saw Buster's dad's face. Wasn't yeah, it always he's like, he's like Tim, the tool man, Taylor's neighbor. <laughs> Yeah, also, exactly. Jordan, I, I can't believe we've gotten this many episodes into Elwood City Limits, and we have not once mentioned postcards for Buster. Oh, we no. did a whole episode about Zaboomafu, oh, and geez. we failed to mention postcards for Buster. So already, uh, we're we're crossing into brand new territory. Oh, 
Oh man, yeah. That I don't know what you guys think of that show. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I watched a couple episodes, but you know. Well, don't worry. Uh, any postcards from Buster fans who have been wondering when we're going to be covering it? Uh, I'm looking on the Wikipedia right now. It started airing in 2004. When we get to 2004, we'll get around to it in some form or fashion. But uh, yeah, I, I I remember when I was little, I was like, "Wow, a second Arthur show." Uh, it's, all, it's all live action. Ew. Oh no. man. Oh. Arthur, the Arthur universe's answer to "Hey, it's Daniel Cook" on a bike in a plane, flying high, <laughs> playing games. Did neither of you guys watch Daniel no. Cook? Hey, it's Daniel Cook. No, he was that I'm kid sorry. in the orange shirt on PBS. He'd go up to stuff and he'd be like, "Here we are, it's Daniel Cook." Just me? Wow. No, I've never heard of that. Strange. No, me neither. I see. I see. Though that uh, we have a confirmation here that Buster's father name father's name is Bo Baxter. Whoa, that sounds like he's like a football player in the 80s. Wait, then that's disturbing, right? Because his name is Bo's Bo Baxter. Then on the episode where Betsy, Buster's mom, uh, has a boyfriend, that episode is called Betsy's Bo. That's a little, like, kind of a little oh. gig, right? Oh, Betsy, oh she's... Betsy's got a bay and his name is Bo. <laughs> she's living her best life without Bo. <laughs> Wow, I never realized that. I, I I never realized that. Wow, we're uncovering all it, kinds of truths here, oh and man. all it took all it took was our special guest, Jordan. Once again, welcome to the show, and it's time for us to uh, get into the episode. No new emails to speak of, uh, and uh, we get into it. First story of the day is Suellen's lost diary, and this is another kind of uh, ensemble episode. So lots of uh, lots of people to get your thoughts on, Jordan. Oh man, nice. All right. All right, so, and of course, this one starts a little bit, uh, you know, it feels like the cold opens of Arthur are starting to get a little bit more, a little bit more out there. This one <laughs> starts that, off. That's like an understatement. This might be <laughs> the most problematic Arthur intro yet. Problematic? <laughs> I don't know. I, I Maybe I, I think it's problematic just because I had no other words. Okay, well, uh, let's see if we can find some here. So Arthur is, uh, he well, first of all, he he's uh, he's into reading minds. Apparently he has picked up this, he's imagining what it would be like if he had this power, and he reads our minds. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was wondering when the episode was going to start. When he <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, that's what he surmises that we're thinking, and he decides to look into the minds of people around his house to see what having that power would be like. So... First, he goes into DW's room and uh, reads her mind while she's dreaming. And uh, problematic's not the word I would use for this. This is horrifying. Uh, DW, in her dream, has like a kind of doll-sized but living version of Arthur. And she's menacing him by like uh, saying, like, I'll, I'll put, make you put on one of my dolly's dresses and then we'll play house. <laughs> and it's like from the it's like from the 1960s version of The Fly. And Arthur's just like, here! Help me! It's so freaky. <laughs> Pretty disturbing moment in Arthur. I, I I don't know what was the worst part, like Arthur's like tiny fly voice, or the fact that he's in like tidy whiteies. No, that's exactly like a, what I was gonna say. Yeah, he's that, a that man was the baby. Yep, that was the most disturbing part was that he was in his tidy whiteies. Yeah, he's kind of like one of those uh, one of those little fashion toys that it's just like, oh, they kind of start off really basic, and then you can just put clothes on them. But it's like, no, this he's alive. He's alive. He's a man. 
He's like, oh no, I've become a Flash game. Ah! <laughs> uh, so Arthur quickly backpedals out of there. Uh, he reads Pal's mind, but that one is no surprise. He's just thinking about uh, four JPEGs of food in uh, the circus. <laughs> He's thinking about Pal's. Uh, well, oh, what's the name of that? Uh, what's the name of that thing in Adobe where you can make like? Uh, oh, Keith. Key He's thinking about keyframes. <laughs> <laughs> And then he finally goes down. Now this, this could have gotten wild. Uh, Arthur's next big uh, try is to see what mom and dad are thinking of. But then wisely, the show sidesteps by they notice him and are wondering why he's out of bed. I, you know, the adult version of me wants to know what mom and dad are thinking of. What was this, 1998? They were probably thinking about like Y2K. Oh, of course. Building their bunker for when they were probably thinking about like you know, the conflict going on in Kuwait. There's all kinds of things for an adult to be worrying about in 1998. They were like, Arthur's dad's like, hmm, am I going to vote for Bill Clinton in re-election? Uh, Man, many they're th- options. They're thinking they're weighty German thoughts here. I didn't realize that they were so uh, so worldly, mom and dad. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to think of them as like in the know of what's going on. But you're right, Will. They're really playing like three-dimensional chess here. Because, and Arthur kind of really sets himself up for this. Uh, they kind of play in to his little charade and they say, okay, what are we thinking about? And they do the Professor X, like, concentrating really hard using my telepathy. And he's mm-hmm. like, I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to bed. And the uh, and the le- the lesson is, I think I like not knowing what people are thinking better. Spoilers for the episode, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we, Arthur's yeah. Arthur's really like learned his lesson from like reading X Men comics about like oh it's such a curse to like be able to read people's minds. Yeah, he's got to create like mental locks so that he keeps the Dark <laughs> Phoenix at bay. <laughs> dark Phoenix. Uh, so this yeah it is it is, the episode is kind of based around uh, reading someone's mind in a much more di- uh, not indirect sense uh, through Sue Ellen. Uh, we the whole. The whole episode is kind of like a bottle episode because it all takes place at uh, at the library, so they don't have to use too many different locations. Uh, Sue Ellen is uh, doing her homework or reading or some such, but then she uh, checks out a bunch of books and realizes that she lost her diary, and it's a, a yellow book with private written on it in several different languages, presumably from where she's lived in the past. I think that it's funny, like, in Arthur, just, like, the general rule is that every book that anybody is holding is, like, this massive hardback cover book. Like, there's really, like, I'm trying to think of any other time in Arthur where there, or any time when when there hasn't been just this huge hardback cover. I was just going to say, like, yeah, there's there's hardly any magazines. There's a newspaper here from time to time, but it's not like, yeah, there's no novellas. Everybody's reading, like, the unabridged Dark Tower. Right, like, even <laughs> Sue Ellen's uh, diary is this huge, hardback book. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's funny to me. I've always noticed that, even as a kid. Like, on the, li- in, like, in the library, all the shelves, it's all hardback. And, like, when I was a kid at their age, and I would go and, and pick out books, it was, I felt a little, like, man, maybe I'm not so smart, you know, because they're, like, have all these huge <laughs> books that they're carrying around. I'm, like, looking at these little dinky things I can barely read. Uh, hmm. It always made me feel a little, you know, not, not, not very confident. I know, it was, thanks, Arthur. My, 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 my copy of the Da Vinci Code's all <laughs> floppy, not like the one on the TV. <laughs> That's exactly uh, what I was reading. 
<laughs> that's right as a child you're yes, like yes. wow dan brown's really got something here <laughs> uh so jordan this is really an ensemble episode we kind of check in with all the characters and i wanted to know do you have a like a particular arthur character especially in this episode that we check in with that you're like a fan of like who's your fave oh i mean i've you know i've always liked binky he he's just such a such a such a different kind of character in the show like just so misunderstood just always wants everybody to and this actually kind of comes through in the episode always wants people to feel like he's really strong but then when he really thinks of himself like he feels like he's kind of weak um in a way which kind of comes through in his his little dream sequence that he has about uh about sue ellen's diary later on but i I always just liked the dynamic of his character i thought it was a little more developed than than uh a lot of other characters who aren't like you know i i wouldn't consider him like i mean he's a main character but it's not like he's in a you know every episode or so i i don't know i I would consider him more developed than like prunella or somebody like that (laughs) Um, but yeah, I just always Certainly. really like him a lot. Lucas, our pro Binky sentiment is catching on. I know it's really a groundswell of Binky support, and <laughs> I might add anti Prunella squad uh, stand up because that's another movement I'm trying to get going. Are you guys uh, big fans of Binky as well? Yeah, yes. like we've t- we've talked about before. Um, even before watching the show, I never really had a fondness for Binky as a kid, but now uh, having watched all these episodes in order. Uh, Binky is probably, with the exception of maybe Arthur, the most developed character on the show. Even mm. more so than, like, fan favorites like Buster, uh, Binky has a ton of depth to his character that we don't see in someone like, let's say, Muffy, who's, like, totally one-dimensional. Right, right. No, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm the exact same way. It wasn't it, Like, he definitely wasn't my favorite character growing up, but now watching the show later on, yeah, I see what they were trying to do with him, and, and it's really cool. Yeah, we've, uh, well, Lucas said it all there, we've only recently come around uh, to how great Binky is as a character, and I think it's just our adult sensibilities uh, clashing with this kid's show in that, you know, he is a very much a well-rounded character versus, well, I I, I don't mean to parrot you guys here, but yeah, Binky's great, and he often gets like some really choice lines uh, (laughs) in the episodes he's featured in. Uh, well, we have yet to get to Binky. Uh, first person that Sue Ellen talks to is Francine because she thinks that Francine is uh, reading her diary and openly laughing about it. And she gets a little overzealous and realizes that actually she was reading from a joke book. <laughs> Which actually I think is the same. Like, don't they use that specific joke book a lot? I remember one time <laughs> in another episode, Buster was reading it and... and I don't even know if it was this season, but was it was it Jack's joke book? I feel like Buster like there was there, mention there's, of Jack's joke book. There's Jack's joke shop, and yeah, it, you know it's funny. It's funny, Jordan. Uh, I didn't I didn't expect you to be uh, this detail oriented with Arthur, but I absolutely know what you're talking about. It's the it's the green book with the purple lettering and the face on it with his tongue sticking out. Yeah, exactly. It's that, <laughs> it's that joke book. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the all-purpose one. I guess they're, they, through 20 seasons, they've never gotten through it. They just keep finding... It's like it's like they have to keep putting it aside every day. You only read one joke a day because it's just too good. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, and so Suellen admits to Francine that uh, she lost her diary and is uh, trying, trying to find it. And Francine relays this information to uh, Muffy, who, Which was uh, her first mistake. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you want to talk about like, uh, pardon my language, but you want to talk about a 
disturber. <laughs> Muffy immediately like takes this to its logical worst conclusion and be like, "Oh yeah, she she's probably like talked a bunch of mess about all of us in that book. If you were to get a hold of that book, you'd see all the awful things that uh, Sue Ellen said." Right, like she cites uh, an incident where uh, Sue Ellen may have uh, well. Uh, Sue Ellen fell in a mud puddle, and Francine kind of ran away from her laughing. It looked like she pushed her, but <laughs> but Francine denies this and says that she just tripped. But still, Francine does not deny that she laughed in her face about it. Yeah, I, I thought that that was really funny. Like, it, it, it's like, I really like this episode a lot. It's one of my favorite episodes. But I, I liked it because it's like, everybody is, like, the, 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 uh, the diary is making everybody think about how everybody perceives them. Uh, perceive you know you, you know what I'm saying like so when like I was a little confused by like Francine's dream because I didn't initially think that it was Francine having like is that what you guys call it a dream like her her dream uh, like sequence? her just aside her dream sequence yeah, yeah imagination sequence yeah okay yeah so her like her imagination sequence or whatever I wasn't sure if that was hers at first because she may like you would think that if you were going through and trying to remember. Uh, you know, an event where you did something mean to somebody, you you would you'd think that you would try and make it seem like it wasn't as bad as it was. But she kind of makes it seem like really bad. Like so, and then I realized, like, wait, this is Francine's like imagination. So of her getting pushed in the mud, I don't know. It's like it's almost like she was like having a crisis of conscience or something. Like I, I don't know. Like she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she it's, it's, uh, and this kind of happens with all the characters when we. The like you said, the diary sort of plays into their anxieties of right. oh, what's the worst thing Sue Ellen could think about me? And so Francine's anxiety is that Sue Ellen perceives her as this like horrible bully that pushes people <laughs> into the mud. And <laughs> not just that, but that like Sue Ellen's diary is like a is a day to day update on like right. Francine's it, mental it, it, condition, it, like. Every diary entry, whenever Sue Ellen, like, writes, it sounds like a war journal. She's always like, day 37. <laughs> I write to you, dearest, from the mud. Yeah, she, ri- she writes right in the mud puddle. Right, yeah. She sets the sets the book down and starts writing. She doesn't even I, get out of the puddle. I thought that that was the funniest thing. And then, like, when she falls, like, it's almost like a perfect snow angel. Like, she comes up, and it's, like, a, an exact outline of her body. Like, when, I, I just always thought that was the funniest thing as a kid. And this, and so uh, Francine gets like a second imagination thing uh, because it goes from you know uh, Sue Ellen seeing her as this big bully to again Sue Ellen kind of trying to mentally treat her, and she goes to this uh, this kind of Einstein Freudy German doctor, Doctor Zimmer, Doctor Zimmer, <laughs> Doctor Zimmer, excuse me, and he's he's he kind of sounds like uh, Have you guys ever been to to Disney World? Yes, I have. Yeah. So, did you ever go on the ride where, like, Robin Williams is the voice of, uh, of, uh, I think he's, like, like, an, like, he, he's the voice of Einstein in, like, the Magic Kingdom, and it's, like, a virtual, virtual tour thing through history? Is that Epcot, or is that the little no, it's Epcot ball? Not, not, no, uh, it was at the Magic Kingdom when I was there many, many oh. years ago, but it's, it, but it's, like, this ride that Robin Williams has a voice on, and it's, like, he is doing the German voice of just, like, uh, you know, it's like "Welcome to the world of tomorrow" and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I see, I see. Yeah, and and so this is what Doctor Zimmer's doing, just like ah, like ah, Francine, she suffers <laughs> from orgasm. <laughs> Doctor right. Zimmer really sounds like a bad guy in Wolfenstein 3D. <laughs> <laughs> 
You, you, yeah, you cut, you cross paths with him as B.J. Blaskowitz in the New Order. Uh, yeah, so uh, Doctor Zimmer in the imagination says that Francine has ogreism, which is uh, essentially like an elevated form of bullying that can be <laughs> be seen by uh, by the shouting and the pushing. <laughs> and he like shows a film of like a reenactment of of this happening. And this is this is uh, Francine. Yeah, this is uh, Francine's imagination. I thought it was really funny that the 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 person that the doctor was using as like an example was like a modification between D.W. and Mr. Ratburn. Did you guys notice that like it looked a little bit like both those characters? Like it was kind of wearing the clothes of D.W. but looked like Mr. Ratburn. A little bit. I kind of I kind of see where you're coming from there. It's like a younger rat, but she has kind of got the uh, uh, the D.W. overalls a little bit. It, it, it's like it's like the vintage film reel too. So it's like an old yeah. kind of thing. I, I thought I didn't know if it was like you know Francine just trying to think of the two worst people she can think of, and she <laughs> thinks of D.W. Mr. Ratburn like merges them together in her dream. Doing the fusion dance, or yeah, something. yeah, uh, and the, and the be- <laughs> my favorite part of this is that the imagination ends with Francine locked away in a padded cell. Yeah, <laughs> she's in like the facility from The Exorcist Two. Like it's this, <laughs> like y- you see this big glass wall, and it's torturous because Francine can see the other kids playing on the other side of the glass wall, but she's locked in this like closed off decontamination chamber with these other two. Ad- adults in scrubs one of them has a uh, arthur's dad's voice and they're like all playing cards and she's like i want to go play with the other kids and they're like don't you know that ogreism's highly contagious actually weir- weirdly it's francine's dad's voice it's it's all the voice of oliver frensky so she's like talking to her dad but not really it's like a, a bunny with blonde hair <laughs> Even stranger. So yeah, that's what. So that's eventually like Francine thinks this is gonna get so bad that she's gonna end up in a padded cell for this ogreism, and she even comes out of the imagination like, and I don't have ogreism. And Muffy's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> uh, and after they kind of part ways, Muffy kind of starts thinking about the diary as well. Um, she, um, I should mention that Sue Ellen said that you know she has like. Uh, you know, personal thoughts in there, and even the beginning of a story. And Muffy starts thinking about the what the story could be. And Muffy says she probably didn't write about Francine at all. <laughs> I just thought it was funny of just like, well, then why did you bring it up? You made her day. You made her day worse. Uh, so Muffy, of course, assumes that Sue Ellen's story is about her, and we get another extended imagination here where uh, Muffy is like the princess. What was it, Princess Millicenta? Millicenta. I actually she... looked up what Millicenta means because I was like, how did they just pull that name out? You know, okay. it just seems like such a – and it, you know what? It actually had a lot to do with Muffy. An urge oh. of independence causes dissatis- dissatisfaction and frustration in close relationships, and you find the ties that bind restricting. The qualities of this name would find a more constructive outlet in work that involves high-pressure selling or promotional activities. Right? I mean, that's wow. what that's what Muffy is. You know, that's what her parents are. I honestly thought that they just, like, came up with, like, a nonsense princess name. I had no idea Millicento was, like, a real thing. I I didn't either. I was like, is this even a name? And then I, you know, no offense to anybody that has the name Millicento out there. But, I, I, you know, I had no idea. I just typed it in, and I was like, man, sure enough, that seems like that describes her pretty well. Yeah, no, wow, geez, you do more research than we do. That's uh, that's that's very impressive. Uh, yeah, so Millicenta, and it's she. She assumes that this is a um, 
I, I guess that Sue Ellen has an inferiority complex where even in her like story, uh, she's not the center of attention. And even in, cause like Sue Ellen in this story is her lady in waiting and she's just brushing her hair and being like, you're so beautiful princess Millicenta. And I am merely just okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that line was really funny. Muffy's uh, tower uh, in, as we kind of pull back as a dragon begins to attack her village, uh, that Muffy's tower is the leaning tower of Pisa. And has... I was just going to say Muffy's magical kingdom is just Italy. <laughs> and, and she has the um, uh, she it has the number sixty eight on it, so sixty eight of whatever street the Leaning Tower of Pisa is on. Huh. Mm. Not not quite nice, but still pretty just okay, just like Sue Ellen. Getting there, Ni- <laughs> nice ish. Uh, yeah. Sue Ellen tries to defend the castle in in uh, armor, which is big enough to to put her whole hair in as well. Uh, that was funny. It, 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 it's like she uh, she's playing Dark Souls and she didn't put enough points into poise, <laughs> so like she's not able to she's not able to roll with the big armor, right? Because she gets caught, like she gets stuck Three Stooges style on the way out out of, out of the castle. So Muffy has to do something herself, and the dragon kind of comes up and is breathing fire, of course. But Muffy uh, spritzes a little bit of uh, of perfume in its mouth and it uh, kind of smokes it out. I also and like then, how uh, the dragon's got a uh, Binky's voice. Yeah, that's which exactly is like a what fun I was combo. Say. Yep, has Binky's voice, and, and and that's what made me think after I heard. You know, it, obviously everybody is scared of Binky, and so, it's it's weird. Some episodes they're scared of him, some episodes they're not. Uh, and so I thought it was funny that uh, the dragon, the scary dragon's voice, was of Binky. The same way I thought it was kind of funny that like the example of somebody with ogreism looked like Mister Ratburn a little bit in the last one. Right, right. That's a really fun detail uh, because I think was it the last episode we watched, Will, or the one before, where uh, when Buster and Arthur were coming up with their Robin Hood fan fiction, mm. uh, every single antagonist was just a clone of Binky. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, there was normal Binky and there was rye bread Binky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, as Muffy's imagination ends by the dragon tapping her on her shoulder, but it's actually Binky. Uh, and then she kind of, he says, he says, Hey, space cadet, which is like a great turn of phrase to use when like someone's got their head in the clouds. I, I'm going to steal that. Yeah. I love the, I love, <laughs> I love the descriptor. Uh, so Muffy enlists Binky's help to try and help her to find it. And then in turn kind of passes on more info of what she thinks is in the diary and that she would be writing about everything and everybody. And Binky assumes that means him as well. And so his mind immediately goes to, the quote-unquote fact that Sue Ellen must be in love with him. <laughs> he just immediately thinks this, and this is this is great. It's just an extended sequence of uh, supposedly all of the advances from Sue Ellen that he's just missed uh, <laughs> over the over the year or so that they've known each other. Uh, I, I like how he since this is Binky's imagination, he's thinking about what Sue Ellen would like about him. Uh, she's got like a one of those, you know, heart-shaped frames with a picture of him with his normal clothes, but with a bow tie on. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a bow tie in a couple of these, and she's just like, what she likes about him is that he's handsome, strong, and he you see, see him lifting a whole bus with the entire class in it and doing like a Jack Lalanne over over his head, or like a John, I love Johnny Carson in The Simpsons. 
yeah, I, I love I man, I love this Binky Dream uh, sequence because it's it's like it it shows how much depth his character is because like he he's perceived there's like this is a weird one because he's he has an imagination sequence but in his imagination imagination sequence uh, Sue Ellen is having one as well and in Sue Ellen's uh, imagination sequence she's thinking of Binky as being so strong and that's what she likes about him that he can lift an entire bus but then when her dream sequence ends and then it's Binky's again he's thinking of himself as like not even being able to open up his locker door like he's he's running up and he can't even open he has to pound it open I just thought it was funny. It's like he his perception of what other people think of him versus like what he thinks of himself. Like you know, he wants people to think that he's strong, but then he can't, he knows he's like sometimes can't even open up his locker door and stuff. I don't know. I just I just love Binky's uh, this dream sequence. I think it it shows a lot of depth in his character. That's a great that's a great point. I didn't even realize, but he totally does like struggle to get his locker open, <laughs> and then all the all the love notes spill out. And also, he's talented in that he burps part of a song. Like, he stands up uh, in the is, cafeteria. Is it the, is it the end of the uh, national anthem? It almost kind of sounds like the end of the American national anthem, where it's like... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to hum a few bars because I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's like the last four notes or whatever of the American national anthem. It is. From- it is you know, it, it really is. I, I was trying to figure out what it was today. when I, Yeah, but no, that, that is what it is. Yeah, from sea to shining sea, that totally yeah. fits with what he was doing. Yeah. And he had his hand over his heart, so it... it oh! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the other half of this is that Binky is apparently missing all of these advances from Sue Ellen, and the other big one that he misses is that he was asleep, uh, and at night, Sue Ellen comes outside his window with a mariachi band to try and tell tell him in Spanish how much she loves him. Really, this song that Suellen plays is pretty incredible. It, yeah. Like, it, it, it's the Despacito of its time. Uh, <laughs> like, let me tell you, you put this on the charts in 2017, the whole uh, Latino music scene is popping right now. I feel like this would blow up on the Billboard 100. Oh, of course. Add a Bieber verse and you're good to go. Exactly. He's He doesn't even need to know what he's singing about. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Binky is convinced that this is the case, and uh, he wants to find the diary to confirm this. Uh, I li- at, and so now all three of them are looking for it. Uh, Binky says she must have she must have notes on people she la- thinks are cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked I like this one from Francine. It's like she probably wrote about the time when we all picked our noses while no one was looking. <laughs> and I like how I could just picture them all in a circle, like. Uh, looking around like back to back and being like, okay, coast is clear. (laughs) Pick their noses. That's a filthy habit that I constantly do in public that I really need to stop. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then uh, as Binky is kind of running through the hallways, like he bumps into Arthur who uh, falls into a cart again with a lot of very large books on it. As you mentioned, Jordan. Oh yeah. And he finds Sue Ellen's diary and kind of brings it to their attention. And so they all gather around a table uh, Arthur doesn't get a imagine. He doesn't even really get to. He doesn't get enough time to try and figure out what could be in the diary. Uh, just he is part of this whole uh, round table, uh, and they're all trying to figure out whether or not they should read it. And they all kind of put their hands on it at the same time. And you know, Francine. Yeah, says, no one, no one wants to be the guilt because if you're the person who opens it. You're the first one. Uh, may he who casts the first stone. Uh, uh, you're the one that holds all the guilt, right? Because they would all be like, oh, well, 
I didn't want to read it, but then Francine opened it, or, or uh, Arthur opened it. So none of them want to open it first, so then they decide to all open it at the same time. Share the blame. Or do they? We cut, we, they all, they, we get a great zoom in into everybody's uh, guilt-ridden face as we, go, <laughs> as we go to the front desk. Sue Ellen is still looking for a diary. They all come, uh, come up with it. She sees Arthur with it, and she immediately like gets defensive. Uh, and Arthur's just like, no, no, we uh, we took it into the back room, and then they all kind of finish each other's sentence. And the the central thing yeah, is, th- they explain what happened in the most incriminating way possible. <laughs> it's like if I was explaining why I didn't kill somebody, and I was like, well, I, like I really didn't like them. I was having a bad day. I had just bought a gun, and so I decided <laughs> to drive them to a secluded fit place. And well, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Uh, then we became best friends, and we had a little, like, we went camping. You know what I mean? Like, so they were like, oh, yeah, we were going to open the book. And then we're sitting there, hands on the book. And we're like, okay, time to open it. And then we decided we didn't. They could have just said, hey, Sue Ellen, we found your book. We we decided not to read it because, you know, we're all good friends of you. But they they draw it out like they're Ryan Seacrest getting ready for, like, a commercial break on American Idol. It's like, <laughs> oh, the person who is eliminated is after oh. this, these messages. <laughs> oh, that, all, that always made me so mad during the years that I watched American Idol. Just like, the next person who <laughs> is going to be voted off is going to be found out after our commercial break. <laughs> da-na, 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 like, ah, got me again. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a non-story of like they all went to this big back room and they all got around the table and they didn't do anything. So they just give her back her diary. And Sue Ellen kind of immediately forgives them, just like, I know what I'm writing in it tonight, that I have the best friends in the world. Uh, so every, <laughs> everything is very smoothed over, but everybody's still very conscious of what they think could be in the diary. So we get a couple of like, uh, er- everybody being super helpful. I really liked Binky holding the door open for Sue Ellen. And he just goes, allow me. <laughs> <laughs> very smooth. Very smooth. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, the episode ends with, uh, what, what, when I was a kid was kind of a last minute swerve here. Oh man. Uh, uh, Sue Ellen is walking home with Arthur. He's got a big pile of books, and uh, she's she's like, "I'm really glad none of you guys read it. I said some pretty nice things about you." And then Arthur just goes, "Huh?" and blushes. You hear that, Tumblr? We have a new ship. Eh, eh, eh. Sound the FTP alarm. Uh, we got a, a a brand new pairing for you. It's Sue Ellen slash Arthur time. Uh, fanfiction.net I'm paging you new ship there you go yeah the one to rival Arthur and Francine Arthur and Sue oh. Ellen maybe man I it, it's such a letdown really because when I was growing <laughs> up and like they never like I love Sue Ellen she's like my favorite female character in the entire in the entire show and so I was like man this is gonna be great maybe you know obviously I didn't think they were gonna like delve into like Arthur and Sue Ellen having a relationship but I expected maybe at least like one episode of there being some kind of like you know something where people are talking about them nothing they literally, they just drop it. They never mention it again. I mean, unless I'm wrong, but I've looked for it and I cannot find another reference to, you know, Sue Ellen's, like, crush on Arthur. I can't find it anywhere. So what you're saying is Sue Ellen and Arthur's relationship really is the toady of uh, of this season. 
Was that its name? Toady? The frog that, like, Toadie. DW adopted and that never came up again? Yeah, Toady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess it kind of is. Uh, you're right. Yeah, they never really do follow up on this. And Man, what a nightmare. I, uh, although, to be fair, she you, we never really confirm what those nice things are. Maybe That's maybe, true. Maybe she just thinks he's cool. That's but, true. Uh, <laughs> but you never know. All right, so uh, no word from us kids this week. Uh, Jordan, any chance that you know somebody who was uh, a word from us kid? No, unfortunately not. I, I I mean, honestly, I was homeschooled growing up, and that's kind of like what a lot of my, my YouTube channel, like uh, some of our bigger videos was like uh, geared towards the uh, the homeschool community in the United States and just abroad. Uh, and so I never really had the opportunity to even possibly know anybody that was on that, you know. So did you guys where, happen to know any where, anybody? Well, we're both from Canada, so I can't see the PBS film crew uh, coming up up way up north to interview some kids around here. But my question was going to be, where are you from in the United States, if you don't mind me asking? Because it seems like, uh, from what me and Will can deduce, all of the Word From Us vi kids videos seem to be filmed in Massachusetts. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of always got the sense that it was somewhere up north. Um, mm. but yeah, so I, 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 no, I had no friends that were on it, sadly. <laughs> no, not yet. We, we still hope to meet some, a, a kid from, uh, a, a word from us kid someday and have them <laughs> on the show. So if you were a word from us kid, uh, email into the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. Uh, Arthur's knee. This is another cold open that I thought was really strange. I mean, because it is, but it's. I felt it was really interesting, too. It's just a white background, and the whole thing is that we're talking to different parts of Arthur's body. It's Arthur's organs, uh, and they all kind of come up one by one, and the defining feature that they're Arthur's is because they all have his different inflections of his voice and the Arthur glasses, uh, and the whole, the whole thing is that they can't find his brain. So the first one, who is kind of the leader of the group, is his heart. Uh, and they each kind of explain, or the heart explains what each of them does. And I thought this was actually pretty informative. Like, it's another example of, uh, you know, not making learning or edutainment uh, as as obvious <laughs> as it could be, I guess. I thought, I thought this was kind of cool. And it's uh, a, a very concise way to sum up these different parts of the body. Yeah, it reminded me bring, a bring, little bit of... Bring, bring. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Ring, 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 ring. Is that David Cronenberg on the phone? It's a body horror episode. We get all kinds of, like, and that actually kind of continues throughout this episode, the sort of body horror theme. Mm. Lots of organ stuff. But I will say, I think you hit the nail on the head wheel when you say this does almost feel like, almost feels like edutainment, like with the white background and stuff. It feels like one of those VHS tapes you'd watch in elementary school to teach you something about the human body. Like uh, 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 something about a heart sort of monologuing in front of a white background really says that to me. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it reminded me of Magic School Bus a little bit, right? I mean, uh, if you guys watched that show, I mean, especially later on in the in, in the episode uh, where Arthur has his imagination sequence um, with like the little war inside of his body and stuff. Uh, it really reminded me of Magic School Bus. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it, it was it was very much, uh, it, yeah. I, I mean, it, it it wasn't something I was thinking of at the time, but I totally see where you're coming from. By the way, have you guys seen the trailer for the new Magic School Bus uh, I show? I just saw it today. 
I saw it as well. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about this. A couple of notes. Mm. Uh-huh. One, I do enjoy that the theme song is sung by Lin-Manuel Miranda. That's yeah. fun stuff. Two, you're not going to win me over with the Flash animated. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't look nice to me. Uh, hopefully the show's good, but it's not something I would watch just because I kind of think the animation's a little bit ugly. Yeah, I know what you, I know what you're saying. It's a little bit like the Flash animation is notably very stiff. I did like that. I so I thought it was just going to be a complete remake with uh, Kate McKinnon being uh, uh, just a new Miss Frizzle. But I do like that uh, not only is she like Miss Frizzle's sister, but also that the original Miss Frizzle, voiced by Lily Tomlin, is in the show as well. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm I don't know how. I mean, it it seems like it's not getting received very well on YouTube, but a lot more dislikes than likes. But I don't know. Like, I'm not a fan of Flash animation that much. Just kind of when it seems too stiff, too puppet like. Uh, but I think overall it it could be uh could be interesting. I I I'll watch a couple episodes and 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 see what I think. Uh, yeah. I'm going in with low expectations just because you know recently. Another childhood educational show that was kind of rebooted, the Bill Nye Saves the World. Yeah. Like I, watched, I watched the first episode of that, and I was like, I don't really like this at all. Yeah, that's... You would show I watched that was a recent reboot of a childhood cartoon that I thought was amazing? What's that? Uh, that new DuckTales. Did you watch that? No, but uh, so I saw I saw a review of the first episode, and like, there's, there's some awesome references in there, some really fu- funny stuff. Oh my god, you want to talk about animation, like, this is like a complete 180. Um, The new DuckTales reboot is, like, incredibly animated. Um, It's like quality in a Saturday morning cartoon in terms of, like, animation style that I've never seen before. It really looks like a a film or something. Hmm. And I believe you can watch that first episode uh, free on YouTube, Jordan, so if you want to check it out. Yeah, um, I'm always interested in like uh, different animation. I, I've messed around with uh, some animation in the past and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm I'm always interested if you say that the animation on a on a new a uh, rebooted cartoon is is good. I will definitely check that out. All right. Uh, so back to this Arthur thing. Uh, I'll just kind of go over uh, the the organs that we see. We already talked about the heart. Uh, he's he's uh, he's the leader. Kind of bossy a little bit. Like he kind of. I guess is Arthur's uh, uh, leadership qualities like when when Arthur's lungs come in there he uh, they're kind of they're 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 the freakiest I think because they're kind of <laughs> they're always vaping yeah they're like attached <laughs> they're attached at the head like you know they look like cartoon lungs basically and they always preface everything they say with this weird breathing it's like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're it's, ripping mad clouds, man. It's it, it, it's like you ever you ever see you ever hear the Lonely Island song "Do the Creep." It's like they're doing the John Waters creep. They're just they're just ha the creep ha. It's, it's weird. I, I don't like to listen to them talk too much, but they kind of call the heart Pumpy, and he's always very much much like don't call me Pumpy. Like, very much putting his foot down. Uh, the lungs didn't have so much of a. Uh, not much of a personality, I thought, but then we get to the twins, Arthur's kidneys, and they're pretty much like two little kids. And Arthur's voice actor has to put on like a, a, an even higher voice register. <laughs> and then we get the star of the show. Oh, the intestine? Oh my gosh. I would want to see a whole episode about Arthur's intestine. First hey, of all, he dudes. talks like Eeyore. Yeah, he's like, hey. He looks like a messed up snake. He's gross, man. And then he's like, 
Hey guys, it's me, the attestant. I feel well, like the scene's like missing like an applause when the attestant comes on the screen. He would be like the fan favorite, like a Kramer or something. Yeah, be, I mean because he is like he's very slow witted, but he's also like clearly the dude. He kind of reminded me uh, Lucas a little bit of Matt Riddle. Oh, okay, I just, see that. The kind of a laid back stoner type. Yeah, a little bit because he's just like, "Hey dudes, where's the party?" <laughs> That sounded a little bit like Mike Michelangelo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it's very much like that. Like uh, Arthur's intestine, he's just like, "I'll be in the kitchen." <laughs> it was great. This, uh, th- I also important to point out this episode predates Fight Club, so Arthur had the idea before. I am Jack's. Uh, oh, now I forget the Fight Club quote, but you know what I was trying to reference. I am Arthur's complete lack of surprise. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then uh, the last one we get is uh, Stomach, who kind of reminds me a little bit of Sadness from uh, if you've seen Inside Out. Oh, yeah. Mm. So he's a little dumpy and kind of comes up and he's like very saggy. He's just kind of like holding himself his where his stomach would be the whole time. Just like, oh, <laughs> here you guys are. He reminds me a little bit like he even gets a line here of just like, uh, did Arthur eat too much uh, like pudding again or something? He's like, worse, cake. I get no respect. No respect. And it's like, he's uh, Arthur's stomach doing a tight five on Rodney Dangerfield here. <laughs> I don't really understand why cake is worse than than pudding in that. I, I always was like, why Why is that worse? Like, it's it's a dessert, you know? I guess I, I, uh, I guess just heavier in terms of it just sitting heavier on a stomach. Okay, okay. Depending, yeah. depending on what kind of uh, pudding you're eating, I feel like if you were to eat, eat the same amount of cake in terms of calories as you were to eat pudding, the cake would be way worse for you because the icing's, like, loaded with sugar and stuff. Right, right. But hmm. you're right. P- p- pudding's pretty bad as well. <laughs> and so we and so we end the cold open with them all kind of looking for Arthur's brain because it looks like Arthur hasn't been using his brain again. So a little bit of a tease for the episode, not exactly any kind of spoiler yet. Uh, the episode itself starts off with uh, DW uh, eating an ice cream cone, finding Arthur and Brain in the garage. They're doing something for a school project. They're building a chariot uh, uh, for, like, a Roman uh, type of school project, and they're building it out of, uh, like, planks of wood and uh, parts to a bicycle. Yeah, uh, it should definitely pass any safety inspection they put upon it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I will say this right now because they kind of give it a bit of a, a bit of a test run, and it just kind of falls apart before their eyes. Uh, even right here, I was reminded that when I was a kid, this episode used to give me such horrific anxiety. Oh, oh yeah, it, yep. well we we'll get into that later, but yeah, like yeah. now as an adult, I understand like this episode is framed in a very specific way to make you feel a very specific way. Uh, yeah, so uh, they realize that they need uh, a new wheel for the chariot. They're using, like, bicycle wheels. Uh, and so Arthur says he can get one uh, while Brain goes home for lunch. Uh, I, d- I did like here when Arthur falls over, DW's kind of standing over him. The ice cream's dripping on his glasses. And he takes off his glasses, and Pal is kind of his unofficial glasses cleaner. <laughs> That was cute. Uh, so Arthur is going out to get a new bi- a bicycle wheel, and... Uh, uh, won't take DW with him and explains it's because he's going to the dump. Uh, he wouldn't, and DW wouldn't like it at the dump. Uh, it's full of old, smelly junk and all that sort of stuff. And then <laughs> DW's like, Mom and Dad say you're not supposed to go there. I'm DW- telling. 
Yeah, DW's number one narc. Don't tell her anything, because she's gonna narc on you immediately. Uh, and I and I, <laughs> uh, DW and Arthur again in a kind of sibling mutually assured destruction. Uh, as Arthur's just like, well, then I'll just tell on you for telling on me. And the W's like, well, then I'll tell on you for telling on me for telling on you. And it's like, Arthur, you already lost when you went down this road. Uh, either of you can press the big red button and just end both of your careers here. So then he decides to bite the bullet and take the W with him on a bike ride to the dump. Uh, yeah, so the dump is the big kind of set piece here. And this is absolutely where my anxiety would fester. Like, I remember when I was a kid and I, like, after the first time I watched this episode, I would, like, turn the channel until they would get past the part where Arthur scrapes his knee because it was too scary. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I I was just telling my wife today, I was like, you know, I've never been to a dump before where you, like, you know, like, her her brother uh, used to do that a lot. He would go to to the dump and get parts and stuff for, like, his car and stuff like that or just different things. And I was like, you know, I've never been to a dump in my life. And I thought, it's kind of embarrassing, but after watching this episode, this is literally when somebody says they're going to the dump, I think of this scene. Like, that's that's my one perception of what going to the dump is like. And it's Don't be embarrassed. I wrote down almost the exact same thing. Really? I've never been to, I've never been to a dump. Uh, I, everything I know about the dump, I'm going off of this episode and like episodes of, uh, Mighty Machines where they talk about like the giant equipment that moves stuff in the dump. And like, I watched a lot of Junkyard Wars as a young man. So like, I, I know about whatever dump, whatever like LA studio backlot dump they were using to film Junkyard Wars, but I've never actually been to a dump. And Will, when you say the scene is scary, remember when we were saying the scene where Buster leaves forever is like the saddest scene in Arthur history so mm. far? This yeah. is definitely the scariest segment, in, uh, or at least the most tense in Arthur history. My notes just say in all caps, this is very dangerous as Buster climbs down, um, excuse me, not Buster, Arthur climbs <laughs> down into like a pit of exposed broken glass and steel uh the music almost sounds like john carpenter-esque to build the tension like it's just this like this it doesn't stop and you're like oh my gosh like he's gonna fall he's gonna fall yeah there's no comedic relief like it's just it's just constant suspense yeah there's hard there's hardly like any release valve to any of it like uh, like they're standing there on the cliff. Arthur and D.W. look down and they see like a bunch of like broken, like you said, Lucas, broken glass and like mattresses and stuff. And they see like a rat tail go uh, go in yeah. and out. And then D.W.'s like, "This isn't fun." And then there's like, "No, this is not fun." Uh, <laughs> Arthur kind of climbs down. Reminds me, I've been playing uh, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy recently, and it reminded me of just like one of the cl- the Nathan Drake climbing puzzles where it's like. Ah! Arthur goes down, and he, like, loses his grip, like, whoa, and then catches himself. I'm like, whew, Arthur almost uh, bit the bullet on that one. Uh, yeah, I-, I also have down here the music in the scene, very tense. It reminded me, actually, of something out of, speaking of The Exorcist 2, it reminded me of, like, a song from the, uh, or a track from The Exorcist, the first one, just, although a bit more uh, toned down. It's just very constant, like, I don't know, like, almost chimes or something. And, mm. uh, and 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 I love DW's reactions as she's up on the uh, on the cliff. She's just like simultaneously not looking and looking. She's like ooh ee ah. Uh. 
Yikes! Yeah, it's like just just for like an absurd amount of time. They like have the camera on her of her making these like bizarre noises. (laughs) I just thought that was kind of fun. I thought maybe that was them trying to add a little comedic relief to it, but like also having this suspense in there and like the scary music. I I don't know. I always thought that was kind of funny. It didn't. It it didn't really work for me. (laughs) I was still on the edge of my seat. I was like digging my fingers into the couch watching it. Uh, Arthur, like again, he's covered head to toe in dirt. Which is problem number one. Problem number two is that he's coming back, coming back up. DW's like, watch out! And he gets like a this huge, this gnarly mattress spring through his good yellow shirt. He's only got like I don't know ten more of those. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the big one is that he's on his way back up. He kind of puts his foot on a um, and 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 there's a bit of foreboding with this too. It's like it pans up when he's climbing up, and we see the lima beans can and the. Uh, the razor edge of it kind of glints in the sunlight <laughs> menacingly. And then so he puts his foot on like an unsteady uh, drawer or something. And then he cut like cuts a big gash in his, in his knee uh, and kind of cries, cries out. And it's, 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 it's a little, it's a little distressing for it is, the, it is. the young and, Arthur audience. Yeah. And, and, and D, I, DW's like scared scream when something is happening to her, to somebody that she uh, loves. It, it it's like it's a very bizarre noise and it it's very tense like it's not like a usual scream like it it's not like high pitched it's i don't know it's hard to explain you got have you guys ever noticed that like it's i don't know there's just something weird about her scream that it just always adds a little uh, intensity to the moment yeah and it's and it's also because like we're not used to dw being in that position she's always like the wisecracker or like uh you know laughing and she's she's a more she's a pretty positive character or she's like you know sobbing dramatically about something it's not very often that we see her like that scared and so it kind of puts you on edge a little bit more uh so arthur comes up with his cut and 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 of course making it all the more useless like when he gets cut by the lima beans can he accidentally flings the bicycle uh wheel all the way across to where he first found it so he doesn't even doesn't even get anything out of it he just gets cut in the knee and uh, <laughs> uh, he comes up and he says, I cut my knee on that lima beans can. And T.W. <laughs> says, I knew lima beans were no good. Right, it's like yeah, so strangely cut, she, specific. She, she kind of stays on that theme while they're walking home, too. She's like, I can't wait to tell Dad about how like lima beans are actually bad for you. And that's the crux of the episode is that on the way back, Arthur like says to her, you can't tell Mom and Dad about this or else they'll get mad that or else we'll get we'll get in trouble slash Arthur will get in trouble uh, that he took DW to the dump. And so as long as he hides it and takes care of it himself, then nobody, then nobody is any the wiser, which is the big conflict of this episode. Uh, Arthur's putting his bike away and and DW alerts him to the fact that dad is making a cake in the, in the, uh, in kind of his uh, cooking, the garage. And it's for a, for a heart surgeon's reunion. W goes uh, full Navy SEAL, and she says, Red alert, dad at 5 o'clock, take evasive action. <laughs> if this line went a little bit longer, she'd be like, Stay Oscar Mike, stay frosty. Uh, watch your six, we got a dad coming up. <laughs> yeah, Check your I, corners. I put, it on, I put it on pause because I had never actually seen what cake he was making, but it's like, it's an elaborate heart cake. Like It even has like the heart valves coming out of it and everything. I was like, wow, a very talented man. 
He certainly is. Uh, Arthur and DW kind of solid snake their way past Dad. I'm just like, man, I wish Arthur had that, like, uh, in Metal Gear Solid 3, he could just press the start button and just bandage and uh, disinfect that knee and just get on with his life. But no, unfortunately not. Uh, they go all the way up to the bathroom where Arthur's trying to clean his cut. And, uh, and he just says, as long as I can clean my cut and uh, clean myself up, then Mom won't know. And... D- this is where DW says that he should tell mom. Uh, then that way she can help him. That's what moms are for. Laundry and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Which is still kind of true. I still do laundry at my mother's place. And uh, <laughs> every once in a while, like, Arthur will touch his cut. And he'll give a very... like you, Jordan, you said that it's DW's scream is not like many sounds that we hear. Arthur's scream is not like the typical one. It's like he's, he's very wounded. It's just like a... Ah! Like... Yeah. Like, really on a lower register, it's almost a little too real sounding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the whole conflict of this episode is that it's very stark, as we've said before, like, tense music and all that, but there's very little levity to be found. It's just kind of Arthur dealing with the consequences of what is a bad decision, and the DW's conflict is whether she should tell or not. Like, she, we see that she's creating a get well soon card for Arthur that I imagine is complete gibberish because she can't read or write. Uh, and getting Nadine to spell check it. And she's kind of talking it over with Nadine of just like, should I tell or not? Uh, Nadine says, maybe there's a good time, there's a good time to tattle. Like when you climb the tree. And then I was like, all right, full stop on the episode here. That hasn't happened yet. Well, it wasn't. I mean, there was the episode of her climbing the tree to see the, uh, the, the like go-kart race or something. Yes. Yeah, so I was confused about that too because I remembered that episode. I actually at this point paused the episode and checked Wikipedia because I was like, did Will send me the wrong episode? Did, did I watch like one that's like after the episode where DW climbs the tree and has the whistle and all that stuff? Yeah. Looking this up on Wikipedia, that episode actually takes place a whole other episode from now. It's not even next episode, it's Weird. the episode after. So what I think would have happened is this is one of those cases where uh, and this happens with animation all the time, especially when it's not episodic. Uh, they probably animated a bunch of episodes and just released them out of order for some reason. Uh, it's just kind of weird that this episode references uh, the Whistle episode not once, but twice. And if you were to watch this in broadcast order, you would have no context for it. Huh, what was the, what was the second uh, reference to that episode? Uh, I think near the end, uh, when DW is trying to convince Arthur to tell the truth, she's like, just like when I owned up to mom and dad and I climbed up that tree. Yeah, she says, like, remember when I was a big, brave girl and told mom and dad that I climbed the tree? Now it's your your turn. Yeah, and it's just like, it's so... Because... I remember it was more in the first season that we kind of made reference to the fact that some Arthur episodes seem to take place before or after other ones, and you could usually tell from whether Pal had the collar on or not. Like, that was kind of a symbol of, like, where we were in the timeline. And mm. But th- but they generally didn't relate to each other. Like, they're, like, you could just put those episodes anywhere and it wouldn't matter. So it's strange to have a reference to an episode that in this timeline hasn't happened yet. So it it just really struck me as odd because they're not usually ones to do that. And Lucas, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it just ended up being that uh, they ended up switching the order of these episodes uh, last minute, maybe. Uh, well, sorry, the brain comes over uh, because to finish off their chariot and DW kind of calls him into Arthur's room. Arthur now wearing sweatpants, rarely seen blue sweatpants uh, and his white undershirt that he always has under his yellow sweater. 
And he looks like uh he looks like if you ever uh watch Monty Python's Meaning of Life, uh the part where it's the the war with the Zulus and they have like all the officers and the officer's leg got bit up by a bit by a tiger and he's wearing almost the exact same outfit where he's got pantaloons and a white shirt and he's got one leg like rolled up uh arthur's got that whole he's got the whole like civil war era like i'm injured my legs hurt uh get up and pose going on <laughs> yeah he's got like trench foot or something mm, exactly uh oh, we're gonna have to uh, the, i half expected brain to be like well arthur we're gonna have to cut off your leg we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to amputate uh yeah and dw again arthur kind of uh reels from the pain in his knee and DW gets very upset at this point, which is not something usual. And it's kind of half played for laughs and half serious. Like, she starts crying. But then the reason she's crying, we found out, is it's like, you're going to get even sicker. And then, and then, then I'll have to feed <laughs> Pal and do all your other chores, too. I'm like, all right. So we need, again, kind of working in levity where we can. But it's still like, you know, if I was DW's age and my older sister was in pain like that, I'd be really scared, too. Uh, we get another, again, we mentioned this, or, or I believe Jordan did earlier in the episode, with the uh, the animatic of kind of what happens, what's happening to Arthur uh, since he got cut, and how a body fights off infections. We get this whole uh, animation, uh, well, it's all animation, but this <laughs> different <laughs> sequence of where uh, Brain is explaining uh, the nature of cuts and getting sick, and I actually thought this was really informative as an adult. Like, it's a great... Um, expedient way to break down of just like okay so when you get a cut or something then germs come into your body your white blood cells are your first line of defense and sometimes your fever will your body temperature will go up in order to uh, fight off the enemy again, i'll also say again, that very, uh, very, sorry lucas again very magic school bus as jordan said yes uh, go ahead uh, and I really appreciated, like, the art style completely changes. Like, it's not just... Usually when we would see something like this, it would sort of be like, oh, like, I bet the disease is like a bunch of uh, binkies. Uh, but really we have these, like, original characters drawn in a totally different style. Like, the virus is represented by lima beans, and the white blood, shell, white blood cells don't have uh, black outlines. Mm. Like, most Arthur characters do. They have white outlines, which makes them look completely different. Uh, than pretty much everything else in the episode. So I really appreciated uh, the extra work that went into the art. And the animation is, like we said earlier, talking about animation, it's really well animated. Uh, it's, it, like, you could tell they put some t extra time, some extra sauce into the sequence. Yeah, it reminded me, uh, there's there's a few Arthur episodes where it seemed like, man, they really put a lot of time into this. Like, the the, uh, the other episode I can think of is, uh, I don't know if you guys have done it yet, but the episode where they go uh, to that, like, medieval fair thing, and then they have to basically animate an entire other class that kind of resembles the uh the um the you know the regular arthur characters but like they had to animate like every single character and like come up with like voice actors and stuff and i always like really appreciated that and that's kind of what you know obviously this is totally different than that but just i like how the creators of arthur sometimes just go completely out of their way to just do something that they know is going to be really impactful yeah it's always it's always very refreshing to see as well and hey it was also a little bit on the lighter side uh for this episode that's a little bit more grave than a normal normal Arthur episode. Uh, and this is where DW finally says that Arthur should uh, be brave and tell mom, which he does off screen. And uh, the next shot is him in a doctor's office, which is uh, 
basically, the doctor touching him up, saying, you know, if, if he let if he had let it go for any longer, he could have gotten very sick. Arthur's going to get a, a tetanus shot and uh, going to have to take antibiotics for a while. Um, <laughs> uh, the, doc- the doctor says it's a good thing you came in when you did. And DW's like, that's right, doctor. I knew to protect him from Tetris, Indianapolis, and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Jordan, being being from the states, is Indianapolis something people need protection from? Um, no. I was actually trying to figure out what word sounded like because obviously Tetris booster is tetanus booster, but like the Indianapolis, like what word was she trying to go for? I, I was trying to remember. Maybe uh, Staphylococcus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that that's what it was. That's probably <laughs> kind of a stretch, but that's probably what it was. She's been through a lot. We got it. We got to give her that one. Uh, so on the on the drive home, Arthur kind of says it was, you know, mom uh, congratulates him for being for being brave and appreciates that. And you know, it was hard for Arthur uh, to come forward to her. And DW's like, yeah, it was also hard for me to not tell on him uh, when he was kind of in need. And it looks like that Arthur's going to get away scot free. He's going to keep uh, doing his project with the brain. But then mom's like, just a minute. I'm not finished with you, and I was, and I was glad at this because I was like, she was very, she like, she is like Arthur. You were very brave to come to me when you did, and I was like, yeah, but he also did the thing that you told him not to do, and then thankfully she didn't let him off the hook. Sometimes mom and dad read can be a little lenient, so I was happy to see him get a little bit of just desserts, and that's how the episode ends. Is that the next day he tells Sue Ellen and Francine he can't go to bat, he can't do pitching practice. And he makes like he, you know, he's doing the noble thing of just like I've decided that, you know, I I went against my parents' trust, and uh, I really think I should pay the consequences for uh, <laughs> you know the nat- the natural consequences for doing that. And they're just like, wow, that's really growing up. And then DW comes in, just like Arthur. Now that mom says you're grounded, you can play all these games with me. <laughs> and it kind of embarrasses him as we end. Uh, Arthur's is this the, also by uh, when she says all these games, she cites Confuse the Goose. Is this the first appearance, Will, of Confuse the Goose? No, it's not. Uh, it was back in the uh, the rainy day episode back in season one. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, and we have yet to meet Virtual Goose, so that's no. another thing I'm excited for. Oh man, classic, classic. Me too. Okay, so now is the time of the episode where we look back on the two stories that we did. Uh, so back to Sue Ellen's Lost Diary. Jordan, you said this is one of your favorite episodes. I'd like to hear from you about that. Yeah, um, I, I, I personally, I just love the episodes that involve uh, when they're at the library a lot, like Lost in the Library, or I think that's what the episode is called. Um, that's one of my favorite episodes. I just really love the library-based episodes. Um, so uh, the episodes where it's kind of like all takes place in like one short timeline. There's not like scenes happening. It's just kind of like one thing happens after the other after the other. I'm drawn to episodes like that, and that's that's uh, kind of how this one was. So I kind of uh, prefer that kind. Lucas. Well, I I don't want to tear you down, Jordan, because I actually think you did a really good job of explaining why you like this episode. (laughs) Uh, I didn't quite get as much out of it just because I think this episode uh, is hurt by the fact that me and Will watch a bunch of Arthur in a row. Uh, And watching the episodes in linear order like this, this episode kind of just feels like a little bit more of the same. Mm. And what I mean by that is the way they characterize the characters uh, it's like, okay, what's Muthy going to say? Something super conceited about herself. Uh, what's, uh, uh, what's, 
uh, Francine anxious about? Oh, she's a bully. Uh, I will say that the way it looked into Binky's imagination was very unique. It's not a situation we're used to seeing Binky in with all the love letters and stuff like that. So that was really created, creative, excuse me. But I didn't get as much out of the episode. I thought it was just kind of so-so just because some of the water it was treading with the other characters seemed a little too familiar for my taste. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like Lucas said, not to you know, not to gang up on you here, Jordan. That's not what we want to do. <laughs> uh, we we've mentioned before how like the um, the uh, gosh, oh, we've only said it a million times. The uh, the names the names these types of episodes are called oh ensemble ensemble. Thank you so much. Oh, all right, yeah, these ensemble episodes. I remember I was very excited for them when we started the podcast. But as we've went on, it's kind of not really been my thing. I more appreciate the finer focus of an episode that has maybe one to maybe three characters that are allowed to really develop. And I felt that this was kind of indicative of that. I, I mean, it was it was fun. I, I liked the uh, everybody's imaginations uh, about like what could, could be in the diary. But I felt like the story itself wasn't terribly compelling like it's especially when we got to the end of just like we went all this way it's like and they didn't open it and nothing's really changed like, yeah okay <laughs> uh i mean it's not that it has to have like big change it doesn't have to be like a netflix series or something but at the same time it, i i need i need a little bit mo i need a little bit mo yeah uh and uh yeah and 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 aside from that it just kind of felt like you're kind of a base a very basic uh arthur episode i don't yeah dislike, i think I, mm. Yeah, I think that, uh, like, watching it now, I definitely, I see what you guys are saying. I just remember, for some reason, as a kid, just really being drawn to this episode. And I really, I, I can't put my finger on why, but just watching it gives me a really, like, a good nostalgic feeling. Uh, but, yeah, no, I definitely see what you guys are saying. Well, this I mean, the show, the, the, the this Gosh Duran podcast is all about good nostalgic feelings. So <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate kind of a different view from ours. Uh, Arthur's Knee, uh, I'll start off with this one. Man, this one, this was harrowing. I mean, I, I don't want to see another one like these for a while. It's it's one of those things. Actually, there was a question on uh, that I did on my personal Twitter. Not not me personally. It's one of those ones where it's like retweet this with your answer, and it was like, what's a what's a great movie that you ne that you know that you'll never watch again? Like a movie that you know, like when you saw it, it was like this is fantastic, but because of the subject matter, you're just like, I will never watch this again. And I realized watching this, I forgot all about the pent-up anxiety that I had as a kid watching this. And I was like, this is good. But I also can't imagine ever being in the mood to watch Arthur's Knee again. Maybe the maybe the um, the cold open, because I thought that was really fun with the different characters and everything. But, like, it's, it's not very much on humor. It's a lot more of a serious episode. But serious, not in almost a different way than these shows are. Like, we mentioned how kind of creepy and atmospheric and tense it all is. And it's it almost seemed like a bit of a genre experiment uh, for Arthur doing something a little different, which I praise. I think this episode is very good. I just don't think that I ever really want to watch it again. Uh, I'll say, and maybe this just means of the three of us, I'm just the most perverse, but, uh, I, it, I loved, uh, Arthur's Knee. I adored this episode. I didn't realize this was what the episode was until it started, and then I was, I was like, alright, buckle up, it's time for some body horror, and that's exactly <laughs> what it delivered. Uh, and 
I like this episode for all the reasons I think I wasn't as jazzed about the Suellen episode, and that's whereas the Suellen episode feels formulaic, this episode is like no other Arthur episode I've seen. It feels like an Arthur by the way of John Carpenter. So uh, I really enjoyed its tense tone, and like that scene where he falls into the dump is crazy, but I also do think it's not totally humorless. We have the lines about DW uh, mistaking diseases for Tetris in Indianapolis. We have DW saying that mobs are for laundry and stuff and complaining about lima beads. She really plays the comic relief in this episode. Uh, But I I, I think this episode succeeds not only in being kind of a change of pace for Arthur, but also in the sense that it's educational on multiple levels. Level number one, it teaches you about infection and how to treat it. Level number two, the moral of the story is don't lie to your parents. And even though telling the truth can be hard sometimes, it's important to own up. And hey, level number three, Three, don't go to the dump. It's dangerous. <laughs> uh, Jordan, just, be get, just before we get to you, uh, Lucas, I, I, I do agree with you, and I, do, and I don't want, you know, saying that I'll never watch this again. I mean, there's a lot of Arthur episodes that, you know, after watching it for the podcast, I may not again. I don't want to take away from the fact that I think this episode is really good, and uh, it's, it's just not the most... Um, Fun, let's say, but it doesn't have to be, and I and I do appreciate how different it is. So I just don't want to get that twisted. Jordan, please, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you guys. This episode is is uh, completely different than uh, pretty much any Arthur episode that I can think of. The one the one uh, thing that I remember growing up like not really liking about the episode was like it was easy to see what the lesson of the episode was okay Arthur is running away to go to this dump he's gonna get hurt and it's gonna be about you know that you can get sick I don't know like it kind of reminded me of of like newer like newer Arthur episodes or whatever where you can pretty much sniff out like the you know the the point or the moral of the of the of like the episode like pretty early on that was like my one thing with this episode uh it felt if that makes sense i, I don't know i feel like i'm kind of rambling but no 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 that you you totally make a good point it is um for all i said about how many different lessons it has they are a tad predictable yeah and but like it's almost like this episode kind of needs that because I don't know, like, if it if, if the point of, like, a scary episode like this wasn't, like, kind of easy to sniff out, you know, it, I don't know, like, I wonder how that would, how that would have gone over in my, my childhood, like, would I have been like, what the heck is gonna happen next, like, is Arthur, you know, gonna die, you know, I, I don't know, so <laughs> I, I kind of appreciate uh, the predictability and kind of like a... Uh, a scarier episode, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it, it's easy to find the lesson in the story. So, mm-hmm. okay. Well, that is an Arthur episode for you, a full one. And, uh, with, uh, with a terrific guest at our side, uh, Jordan, we're going to get, Oh, in- sorry, sorry, Yo. uh, sorry, Will, before you get into the plugs. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually have to jet early since we went log. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'll have Jordan do the honors of the extra, <laughs> Uh, and I'll, I'll send you the file. It was nice to meet you, Jordan. I had a hell of a time. It was a really fun episode to record. So uh, nice to meet you, and thanks for showing up and coming along. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Lucas. Bye-bye. Okay, so, Jordan, this is the end of our episode. Uh, did you like your time here? Yeah, I did. This uh, Man, I I love this podcast. I, I, I hope that it, that it does uh, really well and everything. I, I'm going to... 
tell all of my 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 people out there about it. I, I already told them a little bit about it uh, in, in just a couple days uh, ago, and everybody was really excited about it. All right. Well, thank you, uh, J- uh, Jordan. Why don't you get in your final plugs for everything that you would like to promote? Yeah, so uh, if you want to go check me out on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash blimeycow or youtube.com slash Jordan Taylor videos. Uh, I also have a Twitter, messy underscore Jordan, and uh, just those are pretty much the main places. I also have an anchor. If anybody out there knows what anchor is, uh, that is messy Jordan, no underscore on that. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. What is uh, Anchor? I've heard of this recently. Yeah, Anchor is uh, an audio-based uh, social media platform. Uh, it's it's basically like a radio station. Each person has their own radio station. You can have your own radio show. You can make a podcast extremely easy through the app. You literally just like pick which uh, segments you want to use, and then you can just click Make Episode, and then it sends it out to uh, the podcast app, uh, Google Podcast or whatever it's called, and different ones like that. And uh, it, it's a really cool thing. They've got like background music you can put behind your voice and stuff and different interludes and stuff. It's Man, it's really cool if you haven't checked it out. Well, I think I'll have to do just that. All right, those are the ways that you can get at Jordan. Make sure you do just that. We really appreciate him being on the episode this week. Now, as for Elwood City Limits, uh, you can catch us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Uh, on Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. If you have a question for us, uh, you can email elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. And, of course, you can listen in. We Our website is elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can find us on Apple Music. Please subscribe over there and rate and review if you don't mind. And you can also find us on Google Play Music. Please let us know if there's any other services that you would like us to be on. And also, if you would like to follow our personal Twitter accounts. I've been meaning to do this again and again for the past few uh, past few weeks. I kept forgetting. Uh, Lucas, you can follow at Lucas underscore Mancini. I am WSY on air. And, of course, Jordan is... Messy underscore Jordan. Thank you very much. All right, so Jordan, I know that you're not my uh, my usual co-host, so <laughs> unfortunately he won't get he won't get the uh, the sneak preview of what we're up to next week. It's me and Lucas at it again. We're going to be talking about Grandma Thora Appreciation Day and Burns Slumber Party. Nice. So you have those to look forward to. Well, Jordan, one more time, I want to say a big thank you. Uh, for coming on this episode. We were really glad to hear from you. And, man, I love the detail that you brought with you, too. I appreciate another person who thinks as much about Arthur as Lucas and I do. Yeah, I, I man, as soon as I heard the podcast and how detailed you guys were, I was like, I have got to get on this thing. All right, so for Elwood City Limits, my name is Will Young. Uh, Jordan, do you have any, any uh, quotables or anything else uh, that you want to leave us with, a la Lucas? Oh, man, uh, I'll just uh, say uh, don't be messy and uh, watch Arthur. That's don't all I'd me- have to say. Yeah. Don't be messy, watch Arthur. That is a, that's a, great, <laughs> that's a great slogan in life. Thanks, everybody, for myself and Lucas Mancini and our special guest, Jordan. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.